Well, Brent is gay, and Kaylin's gay, and Clark is gay, and Ryan's gay, and Adam's gay. It's Homo Superior. Hey, I'm Kaylin. I'm Clark. I'm Adam. And today we are doing Class X, who is Isaiah Bradley? So, well, first of all, I'm sure you're asking, what is Class X? Well, Class X is the crash course in comics history that helps you look like you know what you're saying uh, when you're talking about the latest superhero issues. TV, and movies. Now, for this episode, we're asking the question, who is Isaiah Bradley? The character, as played by the terrific Carl Lumbly, was introduced into the MCU in the latest episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier as a former super soldier who fought Bucky during the Korean War. However, we're going to hold off on talking about his uh, appearance in the latest episode of the hit Disney Plus series, and we're going to talk about it on our next regular podcast. Today, we're going to focus on the character as introduced in the 616 and the groundbreaking miniseries, Truth, Red, White, and Black. Homo Superior, Homo Superior, excuse me, recently read or reread the 2003 series in order to answer the question I posed, who is Isaiah Bradley? So I'm really gonna, I'm gonna quickly just go over a, a synopsis of the graphic novel and then we'll have a little discussion. Written by Robert Morales and illustrated by Kyle Baker, Truth, Red, White, and Black is a seven issue miniseries that takes the Tuskegee experiments as inspiration for a tale that re-examines the history of the super soldier serum that created Captain America. Beginning in the early 1940s, the series follows a regiment of black soldiers who were forced to act as test subjects in a program that would become the prototype for the formula used to turn Steve Rogers into Captain America. The experiments lead to mutation and death until only one remains. And of course, that's uh, the titular Isaiah Bradley. The U.S. military sends Bradley behind enemy lines into Nazi Germany, where he ends up seeing similarities between the Nazis' experiments and the experiments the U.S. government did on him and his compatriots. Then in the modern day, Steve Rogers discovers the existence of Bradley and seeks him out to better understand what the American government did to him. So I'm going to just start off by asking you all, um, how did this series work for you as a standalone graphic novel? as a retcon of the Captain America mythos, as well as an indictment of this country's history. So Clark, I'll go to you first. You're doing those all at once. Okay. Heavy questions in there, Kayla. <laughs> when, I, when, I, when I first read this, uh, I, I prob well, probably almost when it came out, um, I've now kind of forgotten, I thought it was four issues. Like, and then I reread it and I was like, this is still happening? <laughs> unnecessarily long there are some excellent moments wrapped in a lot of weird just like not the stuff that shouldn't have been there shouldn't wasn't working at all i mean i loved when they would talk about the history of super soldier um, super soldier serum and how the tuskegee airmen and how you can like combine those thought processes and dealing with um just all the real world actual stuff um um history and everything and then suddenly when it gets into characterization there isn't any like isaiah bradley is just a man who happened to not have died he it hit the first scene he's in you get the character with his wife and then he, he his character is is non-existent from the get-go from then on there's so many other characters they deal with that actually i found more interesting i, yeah. I found this much more interesting character than i found isaiah bradley um, I don't know. It, it's a good, yeah. I like the series, at, uh, the ideas of the series, but not the series itself. And the art is um, un unreadable. 
Well, I, I think I had a softer take on this is my first time reading it. Uh, and uh, in general, I definitely agree with some of the points you hit on, Clark, like you're right. I think the I think the concepts and ideas and narrative explored is really interesting. I don't think the characters have as much weight, particular Isaiah, as much as I would have liked. Like, I don't think there's that. I needed a little bit more of a human interest story. And I would agree, Clark, that after spending seven issues with this that I would want, I think there was better characterization for some of the other uh, men that had to die earlier. Uh, and I felt like I had their storylines, particularly the um, the guy who was talking about the Red Summer, uh, Sergeant Lucas Evans. I, yeah, I liked him a lot. And then even Maurice, I thought would have more of a, they kind of like gave a lot of good backstory and plots to certain people. And I do think that obviously the human story of Isaiah and Faith's relationship really carries through. And I do think they're really good bookends. So I think it's a great start for the series. And I think really wrapping up, uh, you know, obviously Captain America finding Isaiah at the end of it really kind of ties together this really nice narrative that I think has a huge cultural impact in talking about obviously again, like we're saying real world events in this like fictitious superhero universe. Um, and I also do think it's a great thing to have retconned this, this idea. Again, I can't, ex I can't perceive to know how much this actually impacted the uh, 616 universe, but I do think that is a, it's a rightful representation of what happened in America in real life and what obviously probably would have and should have happened in the 616 universe. So uh, definitely pieces I like, definitely pieces I didn't, but I, I think it's certainly worth reading for the sheer content and connection uh, alone. Kalen? I, I guess I should have started off by saying spoilers, uh, but uh, <laughs> if you haven't read Truth, uh, you probably should, but um, it was published, you know, 18 years ago, and I, I'm trying to remember, well, one, I'm, I'm amazed that this book got published at all by Marvel. Fun. Uh, two, I'm trying to remember if there was any kind of a, like a mystery as who the, uh, quote unquote, black Captain America would be, mm. whether it was going to be Isaiah, Maurice, or Sergeant Lucas Evans, the way it was originally written and illustrated and supposed to be published. Uh, I'm wondering if like Marvel's marketing department just said, you know, Isaiah Bradley is, you know, was this character because I almost feel like it's like any one of them could have been, yeah. um, been, uh, uh, ended up like wearing the uniform or wearing the costume because like when sergeant lucas evans is even introduced like when he's playing pool one of his friends calls him black cat mm -hmm. you know so like right there that's like a bit of a, a red herring um but um yeah i i i completely hear like clark your criticism and, and adam's yours as well i think um it's almost like like i'm trying to remember one one robert morales passed away in 2013 so r.i.p but mm. I think this was his first major comic work because, I mean, Marvel put a lot of stock into uh, this seven-issue miniseries. Originally, it was supposed to be six, and they added a seventh issue. I do remember that mm. because it's like it says, like, two of six in, like, the second issue, and then they go into, like, a seventh issue. That's uh, right. You're to, right. Okay, I thought I to, went crazy. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, it was I, – I, I vaguely remember them adding a seventh issue. But David Mor – uh, excuse me, Robert Morales um, – he uh i don't think he did any major comic work before this and i think this is another indication of what i'm calling the tana hasey coates issue or like anybody who comes in from uh outside of comics uh who doesn't understand the sort of like the juxtaposition 
of art and uh, prose together mm -hmm. uh, of what happens. I, I do think the art, I actually like the art a lot and we'll talk about that a little bit more. Uh, I, I think it serves the story really well, uh, but I do feel like there's not the, the proper sort of crescendo of this kind of a storyline. It's almost like when Steve Rogers is introduced into the, into the narrative, like in the, like the sixth issue, it's almost like they, one, they plop him in, you know, talking to, uh, to Faith uh, Bradley when she's wearing the burqa. Uh, and then like, you know, the next issue in the sixth issue, I guess, or the seventh issue, they kind of go back and like, he's just trying to like figure out, you know, who Isaiah Bradley is. It just feels like almost like a narrative, like dead end. Uh, mm -hmm. And it, it doesn't quite work, but all the historical stuff I think is incredibly important. I think it was incredibly brave that Marvel published this. Uh, mm -hmm. They definitely followed up with it in 616 in certain ways. And the fact that the MCU is dealing with it at all, I think is great. Mm -hmm. Agreed. I'll wait. I know we, we can probably flip a little bit to the art now since I think both of you ate it. I, I wasn't the hugest fan. It's not my aesthetic, but I also don't know what art would have represented the story better. Like I do think there's a certain like old timiness to it. I think it connects really well with the material. And, um, you know, I, I generally did it, enjoy it. It's just not something that I would want to see. Like, you know, I can't wait. I'm not going to be like, let's get Kyle Baker on X-Men. Like, and that's okay. Like it's supposed to be right, you know, right opportunities for, for the right content. And I do think this works in, in regards to this. It was just a little bit, it's more stylistic for me, but I couldn't even imagine this type of content in like the standard, like, voluptuous or buxom or like you know hyper masculine type art we sometimes see in comics um so i appreciate that and i think you're killing you're exactly right like when i found out like when i read this this time around and like hey it's a little bit like oh geez the more things change the more things they stay the same but when i read that it was like 2003 like i thought about at the time like to be able to come out with this series and like promote it as like full part of 616 canon and stuff I think was really great and it is a really a crowning achievement for the writer and the artist to kind of be able to put all this together and put this out there and really change uh the marvel universe because it's it's a lot of this stuff was just very cool and i think done really well it's not like overt text kind of stuff it's it's obviously just kind of how people living with these situations and talking about them it felt very real which i thought was which was really cool I yeah. can't like it where you're going with the like it's with when an outside writer a writer comes into comics and kind of struggles with the medium. The the final scene, not the final scene, excuse me, the big never-ending scene between the Colonel and Captain America where he talked for probably 12 <laughs> pages was interesting stuff told so boringly that like it, I I it was very it was very rough. Um and that is an issue with a lot of a lot of writers who are actually writers going into comics. They just they have a lot of really good ideas. You know, that's great in a text text box or something. Right. But it comes to like a little word popping out of someone's mouth. Um, as I already said, I don't I don't like the art. I find it just not attractive in any way. I don't I don't think it fits the story. It's just kind of like a bunch of smudge. Um, also, there are times where you couldn't tell somebody apart. The only reason I knew who that little merit person is because he was so short. I couldn't tell who I didn't even know Colonel whatever just because he just happens to be an old like a white guy who shows up at some point and then vanishes and shows up again and looks like every other one of the white guys. And they had to I don't know everybody had to be like slightly 
designed so they look moderately di di different but the, their characterization was so not mismanaged and on the writing end that you kind of forgot who they look like as people except for the sarge whose head was just like you know a complete <laughs> nightmare i uh, i did i was just going to quickly say that i think the i think the writing might have more to do with not being able to discern people than the the art did because I, I yeah there was one or two times that i definitely lost track of who was what but i always remembered who merit was because he was the biggest fucking piece of shit on the yep, planet. little turn <laughs> yeah they uh morales did a really i think excellent job of portraying like just how horrific merit was without making him into like a super villain like the red skull mm -hmm. or the hate monger or baron zemo uh, I'm going to uh, disagree with both of y'all a little bit on the art. I, I absolutely love Kyle Baker. In fact, when we were doing um, our regular podcast during Black History Month, you know, when we like were trying to recognize uh, certain artists and graphic novels, Kyle Baker's uh, uh, Why I Hate Saturn is like one of my like all time favorite graphic novels. He is much more, I call him more of a cartoonist than, I, yeah. than an actual like sort of like traditional comic book artist. Uh, I think his stuff is very exaggerated for for obvious appeal. I remember hating it as a kid because <laughs> do you remember the uh, the Dick Tracy movie that came out with Warren Beatty in like 1990, him yeah. and Madonna? So um, uh, uh, Kyle Baker did the prequel and the adaptation for it, and I remember my mom buying it for me as a kid when she went to the grocery store or the drugstore, and I remember being like what the fuck is this? Like, you know, like, like little kid Kalen, like baby Kalen is just like, I like, I was like, this art is just absolutely horrific. But then as I got a little bit older, um, I sort of really kind of enjoyed like how exaggerated and weird it was. Um, one, I think it's important that both uh, Morales and Baker are, they're both, they're both African-American. I think it's important for them, like African-American uh, voices to tell this very right. African-American story. Um and I think what I like about it is uh, it, it gave me a feel of like some of like the Warner Brothers cartoons from the 1940s of that kind of like exaggerated, like non photorealistic feel that's happening and juxtaposing it with the actual horror that we see from the quasi Tuskegee experiments. Mm -hmm. uh, when Isaiah like, you know, goes beyond, uh, goes into Nazi Germany and he like comes across the concentration camp and like that scene, it's just, it's so horrifying, but like you see it kind of in a cartoony way. Um, I'm really like, I don't think I would have been able to deal with it if it was a photorealistic book, like if like Steve Epting or someone like that had dr drawn it. Uh, I, I don't know if I would have, I would have enjoyed it as much. Adam? I was just going to say, I really like the, uh, at the end of episode or episode issue seven, I do like the juxtaposition of the more cartoonish style, like you were you're saying, with like the artwork that is on uh, Isaiah and Fate's wall of him like meeting a bunch of people in history. Obviously, like it had to be more, I think, realistic so that that way the celebrity could stand out. There's like Michael Jackson and Nelson Mandela and, uh, and Malcolm X and stuff like that. And I I did really like, you know, it's one of those things where I liked I. I think you're right. Seeing the two styles and knowing this person could do both. I think the cart the cartoon, like you mentioned, really, again, I think it works more for this kind of overall conversation and story. Um, and it's just great to, you know, I I'm also seeing, I can see like, Oh, I would like to see more of Ryan Baker's work after also seeing the more like in between of like, not just the overly garish cartoon and more just like the, 
normal design. I think it's it's great art. Um, I just looked at the Dick Tracy art, and I quite like that. <laughs> it's really good. I think it works for that kind of story. I just don't think it works for the story. This is it's way too cartoonishly silly for this story. Yeah. Well, um, so I mentioned um, earlier that I'm surprised that Marvel published this at all. I mean, of course, this came out in 2003, and it was a uh, I'll get into like like what Marvel was like in the early 2000s versus what it is now. But I want to ask y'all: Do you think Truth could be published today? Why not? Yeah, I think it can be published and published better. I would agree with you, Clark, in the sense that I think it it get I think it have both pros and cons. I think the pro being there's a lot more sadly more thought and interest in this versus as much as there could have or should have been back in 2003. So it's like people are slowly learning and gaining ground or at least white people are. And I think there's, there's more opportunity to want to hear and tell these stories. I think on the flip side, this could have been, and I, I'm actually interested to, to understand obviously the history of this game. Cause I, I don't really remember when I, in, tw- in 2003, that was like right around the time I probably started getting off the comics train for a while, but I don't remember there being like, news stories and a bunch like there's probably conversations about this but like i could only imagine how much media attention would be on a series like this kind of thing right now and i don't necessarily know that's good or bad i just i just think it like it probably was best that it did come out at the time that it did to kind of start this conversation and create the ripple effect of um obviously uh you know his grandson um in the young avengers like i just think there's like good impact that came out of it over the 20 years that it could have been produced today but i i'm really glad that it was published earlier uh essentially Kalen? yeah so um clark probably remembers this but marvel in the early 2000s uh it was when joe casada was editor-in-chief and bill bill Jamis was president marvel was almost like an indie company that happened to be publishing superhero books like a lot of stuff was like not quite in continuity or like books never really crossed over with each other. If you think about it between uh, the year 2000, which is when they had like, like maximum, what was it like maximum fortress or whatever the uh, uh, like the crossover of like all the aliens, like turning earth into a prison yeah, between yeah, that yeah. and like 2005, which is house of M Marvel had no crossovers for five years. So one, you got to think about that, which is like, kind of crazy considering like there's a crossover every year or at least two to three every year. Second, like you had books like Ecstatics, which we've talked about on podcasts being published in the X line, which was so kind of off the wall. Uh, you had, um, you know, uh, Rawhide Kid, Clark, if you remember, like that was really being pushed as this like big, like queer awesome. LGBTQ, like so representation bad. comic, but it was really, it wasn't gr- it wasn't good. It was bad representation, but they were trying to make headlines. And so with Truth, it was almost like Marvel was trying to do anything to get mainstream attention. And they they went and did this, which is what some of the, the detractors said, oh, they're just trying to make headlines out of it. Um, and of course, the story is, you know, uh, the narrative is a little flawed, as we've talked about. But the uh, the rationale behind it is really good. And the ripple effect it had in the books was really good, as well as, you know, like as we're seeing now in, in, the, in the MCU. If it could be published now, it possibly could be. I think in the last year, 
maybe in sort of in the post um, sort of like BLM, um, like protest movement, uh, everything that we're seeing right now, uh, especially with uh, like stopping API, you know, hate and uh, all that kind of stuff. I can see Marvel trying to do something like this, but I think between like 2004 and 2019, I couldn't see Marvel necessarily publishing like something like this. It's it's almost like it was a snapshot in time back then and it could happen now, but like in between that like 15, 16 year period, I don't, I don't, I, I would have a hard time seeing because Marvel like got very, very conservative, the small C during that, that, that time period, mm. Adam. Well, and I was going to say too, to that point, it could very likely be, uh, depending if it was the same creative team, we probably would have hopefully gotten the same, a similar project or even greater quality. But I also worry about how many, like how potentially overproduced it might've been or over-engineered it might've become like, this is a very like, easy digestible story deals with very issues in a very real way um and i I, i'm not i'm trying to avoid spoilers for uh the falcon and winter soldier tv show but that's like i think how that i don't again the show's still on air so i'm interested to see where and how that that's going to go but i do feel like this was a really good complete story that fit really within a time zone like timeline and also made sense as much as isaiah didn't get a ton of characterization in this I think really made sense for a lot of people's journeys during those times. So I, I just think it might, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see what they do with that on the show, but I think yeah. it's already kind of a good example of how this might've turned out if the concept was introduced now, as opposed to back in early 2000s, like you, you were saying. Um, I don't know how, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how digestible or anything, or, or I, when I would read the, you know, like, description of the previous issue it explained so much of what happened in the issue before that i was like i don't didn't need it, it it's written so bizarrely that <laughs> i didn't that? i was like wait what okay <laughs> this synopsis actually saved me from, from not understanding what the fuck just happened anyways it, um no, okay. I was just going to say, I think I agree with you, Clark. I, I appreciated the synopses because I usually hate, especially like with month over month books, like where it's like a small, like three sentence thing about what's happening. And I'm like, wait, that doesn't explain anything. Whereas this was literally like line. It was almost like a uh, treatment of the story of like, here's everything that exactly happened. Um, <laughs> it was just kind of funny. I, 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 I almost explained all about merit being a comic book writer and all this stuff. <laughs> it's like <laughs> super important for the reader to know who hadn't read the previous issue. Well, again, I I'm wondering if it was written so they're they're like if the the editor and the creative team are one are, are uh, thinking whether this was going to be like put together in like trade format. Mm. You know, obviously when it was written, like nobody thought of like digital comics or like right. you know like uh, like so like no Marvel Unlimited existed uh we didn't have smartphones back then um and marvel had started putting everything in trade paperback form uh in the early 2000s like it was like a pretty big deal but like before that like we take it for granted now but like if you missed an issue like good luck maybe finding it like in a back issue bin in a comic store because otherwise it was just gone i remember uh, as an aside, I remember as a kid going to pick pick up the Executioner song, and I went to some comic store in the mall, and some the guy behind the counter is like saying, 
yeah, you're a little too late to read this. So you just need to move on now. It's like, <laughs> can you imagine telling somebody now, like if you've missed an issue of a storyline that you should just move on now? It's just, it's such a, like uh, a weird, weird time back then. Adam, you're going to make a point? Yeah, no, I was, I know that because we've, we've talked about the narrative, the characterization, the art. Is there another, and like whether or not it'd be published, is there another medium that you think that this story would be better suited for? Maybe a movie, a TV show, a book, like a, a you know, progressive art project. Uh, <laughs> is, there, is there something like, how do you all feel about that? Is this the right medium? Would there have been another one that you think the story could go better, Clark? I think a book would be really good get much more history bring in there you won't have to have it in weird little text boxes or someone talking back and forth each other the entire time someone being like i don't know what you're talking about and then they'll like expose on this thing and then like oh i didn't know that which mm -hmm. was basically what happened in the last issue i agree with clark i think like a book would be great and then have somebody who is a comic writer come and adapt it for comics I think, yeah. Oh, 100%. I think the books have it because that was running through my mind, especially as we were talking on this podcast, just in terms of like when we, there's, I think there's so much lost in just, and, and again, the artwork is is obviously, is fulfilling the story in some regard. I just think about like, you were talking about Clark, like all of the thinking and the thought process and like, even like a first character narration of how other people are responding or what's going on. I think to your point, like really getting in the heads of people would would have really really helped a lot so yeah no i'm uh, i'm 100 agreed i basically just wanted to get my answer uh validated so. <laughs> you mentioned something oh go ahead clark no you're fine go uh you mentioned something adam in our in our slack chat about how this reminded you of watchmen the tv series uh and i didn't even think about that until you mentioned it and i'm wondering if like lindelof was inspired by this at all yeah, I mean, it's especially like it's kind of funny because actually we were talking about like, could it get published today? It's like it's sad that it would almost feel like it was a spinoff or like, you know, like someone like, oh, well, they did that with Watchmen. So let's do that with Captain America. And it's like, no, like it is good that Captain America kind of had this sort of story first because a lot of parallels between um, Hooded Justice and then Isaiah, like a lot of this stuff kind of turns up on an ongoing basis. And in particular, this, uh, one of the best things like I appreciate about the book is that I certainly learned a lot more about the Red Summer because obviously Watchmen had the Tulsa Massacre and I think even um, uh, Lovecraft Country, didn't that also deal with it? Yeah, it did. So those things, like they dealt with that, but then to go even like say, okay, well, even a few years before that, there was even more shit. It just continues to peel back the layer of like so much obviously bad history that we're, many of us, I should say, are still being enlightened to and just coming to realize like Jesus Christ like what a what a fucking fucked up uh country for some time we're just fucked up world in general sometimes um, all time all the time correct yeah it's, just, <laughs> it's like it never I just I just thought that there again the impact of the book it does a lot of the same things that Watchmen did I think in teaching a lot of people about the events that occurred and being truthful to them too and being accountable to like what actually happened and trying to speak speak to truth to that uh, well, um, if you want to read more about Isaiah Bradley, obviously read Truth. Um, you know, uh, the character is followed up on his son, uh, Josea Bradley, in The Crew, which is written by Christopher Priest. It was like a, almost like a, a follow up to his Black Panther run in the late 90s, early 2000s. And of course, 
His grandson, uh, Eli Bradley, ends up being the Patriot in Young Avengers in the 616. We'll see if we'll, of course, see what happens on the MCU. Uh, but one last question uh, for all of y'all. Uh, what have we learned today? Well, I had a question beforehand. Was is there been some sort of embargo on um, Patriot since they, they don't use him anymore? Now there's a new Patriot instead of um, instead of Eli. Bradley. Eli. Yeah. Uh, they don't in the use comics, him you mean? Yeah, they, the they literally got yeah, a new one I, and they never really bring him up. They've shown him a few times in the background of stuff. Is they brought him up in embargo I, going on. I don't know, but the new one was introduced in Secret Empire, yeah? yeah. I just don't understand what's the what's the point. Anyway, sorry. Well, no, but it's no, like, do you are they just that for a while? Do you mean like are they reserving the character so they're not trying to write him too much so that they can recharacterize him? No. For, uh, no. Why have they not used him in the last ten years? And then, except for all the other young Avengers, that have been used a ton. And now they have a new Patriot, even though he exists. Hmm. I got I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure. <laughs> well, I learned yeah. that Patriot is not being used very well. So that's my lesson learned for today. But I did also really, I did learn that because it was so funny because we used Marvel Unlimited. Check out Marvel Unlimited. It's got everything, but we did use it to read truth, which is on there. And I found it funny because I was searching for Isaiah Bradley and I couldn't. And then obviously, like, thankfully, they were smart enough on their homepage to pull up Elijah. And I was like, oh, cool. I did not know that connection. That's just like my own uh, nascency on comics or talking. But that was a cool lesson learned of like, oh, now I understand where this character came from uh, kind of thing. So that was cool. Well, we've answered the question, who is Isaiah Bradley? Uh, this has been our latest edition of Class X. You can, of course, find us on Twitter at X and on Instagram at Podcast, And listen to our regular podcast for uh, reviews on upcoming episodes of Falcon and Winter Soldier. And we're also going to have uh, like a complete recap uh, uh, extra episode for that as well. Uh, again, thanks for listening. Class dismissed. Bye.